It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This episode of BGN Radio is brought to you by Clip It, the hottest app that is out there. Watch TV, make clips, and share. For more information, check them out at clipit.tv or check them on Twitter at clipit.tv. Tip Squad. Next level. BGN Radio. Let's go. Welcome to the next level, the creme de la creme, Sharon Davenport, Barrett Brooks, linked with BGN, next level boys breaking down the game, of the podcast out, but they not the same, TD the fly one, keep the suits and the wingtips, honest opinions, from the Gibsons to the Winces, I'm left handed, Barrett Brooks, got my blind side, Super Bowl winner, see the game from a champ size, route concepts down, the techniques in the trenches, you wanna learn football? And tune in and listen BGN Radio Next Level Podcast You thinking about discussing the Eagles? Better stop that From senior bowl workouts to the draft Down to training camp Breakdowns are all 22 They the best at that Special insights giving sight to the blind So sit down, push play And when they done, rewind Next Level Alright, here we go Man, it's, it's been a while I know you guys missed us We missed you guys But we're back Back in effect once again, I'm Teron Davenport here with Barrett Brooks. You know where we're going. We're going on up to the up. (laughs) Yes, sir. The Next Level Podcast is back. And what we're going to do today is just take a quick look at some of the things that stood out from this past season. I mean, my goodness, my goodness. Where do you start, man? The Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles. That's crazy, right? Wow. Just take it all in. Super Bowl champion it's, Philadelphia it's, Eagles. It's a it wonderful feeling, man. It doesn't get better than that. It's so, a wonderful feeling, man. I tell you, just starting from the beginning, or you know what? Let me ask you this, because uh, I've had people ask me these th- this question, and I, I've had different things that came to mind, but at what point, did you feel like this team was was a, a Super Bowl caliber team? It was actually after the 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 Chargers game. Okay. During the Chargers game, you know, I mean, we're talking about they barely squeaked by. First of all, you go through the progression. 
All right, they beat Washington, but they barely beat Washington. Then they go to Kansas City, lose to Kansas City. But I feel as though they should have won. Mm-hmm. They didn't win because they didn't run the rock. Then they go into the Giants uh, stadium, and they barely, barely squeaked by there because they didn't want to run the ball, number one. And, you know, they just weren't consistent. But they picked up this young kicker, and a 61-yard field goal later, they're actually 2-1. and one. Mm-hmm. But then the turning point with me was where I thought that Doug Peterson graduated into becoming an NFL head coach, a real NFL head coach. I mean, upper-level NFL head coach. When he learned how to adapt his schemes to incorporate running the ball and the style in which he ran it. And against the L.A. Chargers, he showed me what he was capable of. And it all took, you know, it all started with me. It would turn my head was LeGarrette Blunt run. And that's when everything turned for me. I was like, look, this this guy's good. This team is good. This defense is good. I mean, look at that game. They had great pass rush from the rookie, Chris Long. Um, you know, you, you look at what they were doing in the secondary at that point. The young guys were getting some quality reps, even though they got beat in that game. They were getting the quality reps you need to build some stability later on in the season. And then turning around and running a rock like they ran it against that team. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it it just showed me, all right, he has the ability to change at halftime, understanding that he has to run the rock. And he did that. And from that point on, I knew that they were a team that had to be reckoned with, especially late in the season. Because now they have the capacity to run the ball because they could already throw the ball. But the capacity to run the ball and with a gifted quarterback like Carson, it was a wrap for me. I knew at that point that this team was a lot better than what people were giving them credit for. Yeah, I remember that Chargers game and and that blunt run that you mentioned. And you actually, you saw it, and I I posted a clip of that on Clip It uh, in the Super Bowl. The way blunt runs, everybody feeds off of that. And that's what you saw in that run. Just the physicality and and that, you know, uh, get off me at the end of that run. I think it was Desmond King, the rookie out of Iowa he yep. got. And those guys feed off of that. And I, I, I posted a clip um, at the Super Bowl, and it was that run he had two plays before Alshon caught the, the fade and, or the, the contested catch for a touchdown. And it showed Nigel Bradham at the end of that run. And you just saw him just like getting right. wound up. And it just that's the thing with Was that, that a twenty nine yard touchdown, wasn't it? Something like that? It, it was it wasn't the touchdown run. It was but it, I think it was like a twenty nine or thirty yard run, yeah. something yeah. along yeah. there. Coming uh coming uh this way. Yeah, out the end zone. Yeah. Going yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean So they feed off of it. And so I that's a great point. Uh for me, it was probably the time where I really I, I was like, man, this team is really good. It was the Redskins game, the second uh, one. The second one, okay, yeah, uh, Monday Night Football, and and for me, it was like you could kind of feel the the. I don't know if it. I'm not going to say destiny, but you could kind of feel that that whole. You know what? This is meant to be, and with the the whole thing with the Dutch Destroyer, you know that special being on before the game, and then Carson how he was able to uh, somehow escape that pile and, and run for the first down on, on third and 12 or whatever it was. And just the fact that they were able – they put up 34 points in that game and they won. I think that was, for me, when, when I was like, okay, you know what? 
yeah, this this team is is ready. It's it's right, and they're they're going to make a deep run. Who would have thought that run would have ended without Carson Wentz at quarterback? But I think that's just a testament to Doug Peterson, who look it's it's cute, it's 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 in vogue to give Carson all the credit, and and don't get me wrong, Carson is a very good player. But for me, when I look at this team's success, and you hinted on it, I think Doug Peterson. What he was able to do this year has been crazy. It's no been outstanding. Question. No question. You know, we're talking about players going down, and he's still giving this team a sense of hope, and they can still mm-hmm. play this game, understanding there's 52 other men once one man goes down. The fact that a left tackle, who's potentially going to be a Hall of Famer, goes down and Big V steps in. Now, Big V had his, you know, and I talked to him during the Super Bowl. I said, look, man, you had a rough season, man, and, and I really thought that you didn't let him hang until – you know, the playoffs. He said, yeah. I was like, no, you mean, I understand technique and all this, you know, and I understand you were saying, you know, your technique and you're working on your technique, you know, but sometimes you just got to turn around. You got to fight, man. You just yeah. got to, you got to let them drop. And he said, yeah, yeah, you're right, B. I'm like, yeah, man, you, you let them drop this time. You didn't care about Evers and Griffin. You whooped his ass. You went there and gave it to him. And once you figured out, wow, I mean, I can give it to people even within my technique. The sky's the limit for that young boy, man. You know, yeah. which is which is allowing, you know, a, a lot of stuff to open up. You know, Jason Peters comes back. What if he wants to come back and play guard? He'll be a Pro Bowl guard also. Mm-hmm. He's that type of player, man. Then you have a solid offense. I mean, this, this the sky's the limit for this team. We're talking about, you know, look at the free agents that they have. You know, Nigel Bradham, he will be a key guy they're going to have to sign back. They're going to have to sign him back. But if they didn't, there's still a lot of players that could play. Michael Kendricks, Hicks comes back. And that's the only thing. They're going to need Nigel because we don't know how healthy Hicks can stay for the yeah. entire season. He played the first, his first entire season ever since college was, you know, this, this the year before this. And that's that's the thing, uh, looking at some of the guys that, that may be gone. And that's why I've been watching a lot of Malik Jefferson out of Texas yeah, yeah. lately because I – Listen, I don't think he could come in and give you what Bradham gives you because, you know, a veteran player like that is hard to replace. But I think he could help ease that transition and, and be someone that could be leaned upon. He's a good if, athlete, if man. Out. You yeah, know, very good, good athlete. athlete man. Six, three, in, 240. Runs know? well, you know, aggressive. But he got to learn how to use some hands, man, because he had yeah. offensive line going out and bear-hugging him. You know, he got to yeah. get him. He ain't going to do that to the NFL. That USC game right. really showed that. So you're right about you that. You know, you so can't, you got I me, mean, as an offensive lineman, man, if you let me reach out and hug you, man, it's not holding, man. I'm just trying to show you some attention. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? If the flag don't get thrown, it's not holding, big. And I tell him, man, he, if I was going to, you know, talk, he's got to make sure he plays with leverage, hit those guys, stone those guys, get them off your body, man, because he ain't going to better do what he did in college. You can't just run through guys. It's no, different, not, different creatures. Yeah. You know, different you know, creatures. We're talking about grown men, you know, grown, grown men. So it's it's going to be an interesting offseason, but, I mean, again, we want to look back at, at, at this this past season, and I don't know, for me, I, there, there's when I look at guys that, that have turned things around, there's four guys that stand out to me. Um, and, and I'm not going to totally say turn things around, but have have played better than what I would have expected them to. And Carson Wentz is one of them, clearly. I was not expecting him to find a way to be this accurate across the middle, you know, on those intermediate throws or mid-range throws. No question, throws. yes. He was getting guys, you know, where they 
I know as a receiver, I would have came back and had a conversation with him. Like, listen, man, you know, I got people I got to come home to right. after the game. You can't throw the ball this way. So that being said, it, it, that's an area of improvement. You saw him improve situational football-wise. Uh, they focused on, on the QB scramble drill. The first touchdown of the year was evidence uh, of that that focus. So for me, Carson was one of the most improved players from 16 to 17. Who really improved for you? You know what? Really? Uh, I have to say, you know, your son, Nelson Aguilar. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about a guy that, you know, he he lost it all, man. He lost all will to be great, man, you know, and, and, and really doubted himself, you know, towards the end of the season last year. But, you know, he, he went out and trained and evidently what he did in his offseason reassured them that they made the right decision in keeping him. And then they let, you know, let a pretty good slot receiver go. Yeah, Jay Matt. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I you know, I, Matthews I felt was, you know, a pretty good player, man, but they, they felt confident that he wasn't going to be able – to do what Nelson could do, and and they were right. Yeah, they made the right decision. I mean, he had a great season, man. Considering the fact of what I saw before, and you know, he was only getting better. I mean, look at you know one of his best games, even though he didn't have a touchdown or anything, was the Super Bowl. You know, he mm-hmm. kept the chains moving. Exactly. Thank you. They just got the ball in his hands, and you know, he may have the big yardage, but he kept the ball on our side of the rock. You know. He kept them going. He allowed them to keep those drives going, you know, because they could nobody nobody can hold him in the slot. Can't nobody yeah. can run with him in the slot. He's too fluid. He's too quick, man. And he showed that he's the type of player that give him a little more time. He could be a beast, a beast, almost like an Odell Beckham type of guy in the slot. Yeah, getting that yak. And it's funny because uh, we were joking after the game. I, I asked him, I said, what were you thinking? Man, they put Patrick Chung, they dropped him down in the box, a safety, and put a safety. Right. And he just cracked up, and he was like, yeah, man, and that's that's when you know it was time to turn up. And although Zach Ertz had the touchdown on that last drive, it was Nelson Aguilar who had three receptions for 38 yards. Remember right. the drive went 70 yards, 74. Yep. And two of those, first, and one of them was he caught it behind the chains he broke a tackle and was able to get that first right. down. And I think that's something that's very underrated about him. He's not a he's not DGB size, you know what I mean? He's pretty much my size. Right. But the guy is hard to tackle. Right. And he's slippery. And then on top of that, he's hard to cover. He catches the ball confidently. He became one of their best weapons and a, a mismatch almost every single week. We sat here in these chairs and said, hey, this week's matchup to watch is Nelson Aguilar versus their nickel corner. Every week it would seem like that's something that we mentioned. So, Absolutely. Yeah, he's definitely a comeback player, a, a, a big guy who turned it around. I think another one getting um, to the defensive side of it, we had to look at Michael Kendricks. No question. Uh, what was it, the Carolina game? I think he had 15, 16 tackles, 17 maybe. Monster. I mean, Finally getting a chance to play. And I, I want you to just elaborate a little bit on – what it is that has allowed him to be more comfortable and really utilize his, his athleticism on the field. Remember when we were sitting in camp and I sat back and I was looking and I saw Kendricks breaking down where he was supposed to be at to other players. Hey, if we're playing right here, we got to get back and we got to make sure we got here. Make sure we drop to this level to make sure they come across. Those are all things that you learn from 
from a veteran standpoint, and even though you know he was a fourth year guy, he outran a lot of plays. He didn't play discipline. He didn't read his keys. He would run past the ball half the time. Well, he learned, all right, I got to play within the framework of the defense. Mm-hmm. And you saw that in camp when he was telling other guys what they needed to do on their assignments. Say, like, all right, the game has finally slowed down for him enough that now he understands what his place is in his defense. Well, just the you know an underrated play that that went unnoticed, which got them going in in the playoffs, especially against Atlanta. People think that it was just the Green Goblin mm-hmm. that made a great play. Yeah, I you wrote know? about this. But it was actually the fact that Kendrick stayed home, played his responsibility on Freeman on the backside, who was actually going to be the primary route mm-hmm. on that play. Leaking out. Leaking out. Stayed at home and kept Matty Ice from throwing it back across the field. Usually guys would have overrun the play, ran, and went to go try to tackle him. No. He stayed at home, held his responsibility, which was the running back out of the backfield, who leaked out on the backside. If he had to stay there, there was nobody else there mm-hmm. to That's tackle touchdown. Freeman. He'd have walked into the end zone. Yep. He'd have did the robot into the end zone. That's how wide open he would have been. But Kendrick stayed back, played his responsibility, stayed at home, understanding where he was supposed to be at, didn't succumb to that urge to go out there and make a play, played unselfish football, stayed back, and was able to make a play without people knowing he made the play. Exactly. Exactly, and that's you know that's what you learn. From, you know you learn you're responsible. You learn the game so good that it starts to slow down. Till you see things happening now, you understand where you're supposed to be at, where everybody else is, so you can make plays where you're supposed to be at. Yeah, that was a great play, and, and you're right. So giving out awards. So let's let's we just talk defense. So defensive MVP. Uh, if you had to pick one, uh, who would that be? I, I tell you who I would go with. And it's a toss-up because I think a hidden a hidden candidate is is Chris Long. No question. Because every and the thing that really impressed me is he just has this natural feel. And I told him this. I said, "How do you have just that natural feel where you know when your team needs a play and you just come up with it? Like, how? Where does that come from?" And I, I think just the, those strip sacks that he had, I mean, there's three or four. So he's a guy I have started to mention. Started in the San Diego game. Exactly. Not San Diego, but the L.A. Rams. The, the, uh, the Chargers the, game. The Chargers game, exactly. Yeah, and, and he just continued. He did it in the Rams game, too. Right. Exactly. You know, and there, there was, I think it was the Raiders game he yep. did it, too. Raiders. Just clutch plays. I know he didn't have 10 sacks, but he's someone you have to mention when you talk about MVP. The Vikings game. The Vikings game. Yeah, and. It just consistently that that pressure he had to force that interception. Exactly. He's I, I don't know, man. I I almost want to say he's the defensive MVP. I know it's like you know a shot out of out of left field, but he's someone I would mention. A but, big play MVP. Yeah. Yeah. Big play impact player. Yep. Um, I would probably though end of the day for me it it always comes back to Fletch, and it doesn't show in the stat sheet, but when you see. His what, impact. Yeah. What offenses have to do. Exactly. They have to account for him. You know. It, bottom line. They have to find 91. You know. So I, if I said defensive MVP, it would probably be him. Well, that's you know that goes without saying. We're talking about a guy that made sure that he was accounted for every single play by an offensive coordinator. They always knew where 91 was. 
And another guy that I would also hang a hat on, and you know, and we're talking about plays in which you know may go under the radar, but Malcolm Jenkins, man, mm-hmm. what they asked him to do, where where they put him, what they uh, his responsibility were as you know, in learning even the game plan, understanding he's going to play in the slot as a corner, he's going to play as a linebacker level as a linebacker in nickel situations and dime situations. And also safety situations, you know, all those times that he had to go against the best receiver. You know, it was a lot of times where he was matched up against Julio Jones one on one, you know, against their best receiver. Uh, going against, you know, Odell Beckham the first game, you know, one on one against him. Those are things that people don't understand. They just don't see it. But a lot of quarterbacks would have to go to another read because mm-hmm. he was sitting there ready to make a play. Yeah. And I mean, just a little thing, you know, look at the Vikings game. He, st- he really started it up when he went out there and started imposing his will on Thielen. He started smacking Thielen around, and they're like, oh, everybody got hype. He hit Thielen that one time, then very next play, they turn around. That's when Chris Long got the sack. Mm-hmm. Well, they got the, the, um, the, the pressure. Force interception, yeah. You know, those are all things people don't see, but that's what generated things. That's what got the defense going. Like, oh, okay, then, mock him out there picking a fight. He was the guy to go out there and start – off with picking a fight. You need a player like that. You need a prick sometimes to go out mm-hmm. there and make something happen. That's what Malcolm was. Malcolm would go out there, all right, then. He asked him, well, what are you about to do? He said, I'm going to pick a fight. I don't know what movie was that. I'm a, I know what, uh, I forget what movie it was. He said, what are you about to do, man? I'm going to pick a fight. And that's how the <laughs> war started. He went out there and picked a fight. Yeah. And that's what, he was, you know, that's what he was in charge of, man. He played with a huge boulder-sized stick on his shoulder. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he had a chip on his shoulder the size of the Rock of Gibraltar, and he played that way. It showed in the Super Bowl, man. No question. That that Brandon Cook's catch, yes. that, that was a momentum changer. But the momentum was instantly taken away because, you know, you, you heard and they, they did a little, like, uh, one of the memes or whatever, and you heard the Mortal Kombat finish him, right? And, and, and Malcolm smacked him, and you know B Cooks. That that's my guy. I'm a, I, I like B B Cooks. You know, I, we did a lot of stuff pre-draft. He wanted to come here, but man, he knocked him out cold, sleep. And that just kind of set the tone to let the Patriots know, like, hey, listen, man, you're not messing with cats that are afraid of you, right? You messing with cats? We gonna bring the fight to you, and that's, that's what Malcolm's yep. hit said. Yep, yep. And and you know that's you know we um. Before the pregame, uh, we had a debate mm. against, you know, NBC Sports Boston against NBC Sports Philadelphia. Mm. And we smashed them with the debate. Utterly destroyed them. Me and Troy Brown, I destroyed them. Ray uh, Didinger went in there. Diddy went in there. Destroyed the guy he was talking to. Tom Curran. Yeah. Yeah. Destroyed him. Turned around and... Uh, and uh, what's his name? Um, uh, um, Seth Joyner went and destroyed uh, Mayo, Gerard Mayo. Destroyed him. I mean, we just we just we just put it on. Him. Set the tone. Set the tone early. <laughs> Let him know early. And um, the reason why we we did that because you know just just like we feel as though our fans are the most um, intelligent fans as far as knowing their football knowledge. They mm-hmm. understand the game. They're not just out there saying, "Oh, they're good." or Oh, they're playing good football. No, they really break it down. You know, as fans, you know, they take it to heart what they're watching, and they'll break it down. You know, I I, I would venture to say that more people get the all twenty two versions. You know, of, you know packages 
so they yeah. can go back and watch the Eagles film you see a lot here of Eagles fans than any yeah uh, than any other fan base. Yeah. Well, the reason why we destroyed them because they had nothing in their in their armor to to really debate against us with. You know, everything you know they they would say the only thing they would say. All right, um, don't you guys know this guy named Tom Brady or you know do you do you really think that uh, Doug can really coach against? Bill Belichick, and it was like a drop mic moment for them. Mm. I'm like, let me let me explain this to you. Please understand this. You don't know what you don't know. They were like, what the hell are you talking about? You don't know what you don't know means that Doug don't care about what you're talking about. Doug is one of those guys that, okay, then, you think you're hot shit? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm even hotter than you. Hammer down. Right. You right? Know, I'm, I'm coming at your dome. I'm an aggressive coach. I don't care who's across from me coaching against me. I'm calling my game. I'm calling what I love to do. This is this is me going out there, and I'm imposing my will on whoever in front of me. I don't care who you got. You can have uh, John Madden across the way from me. I don't care. It's a bunch, a bunch of faceless people across over me. I'm calling my game. I'm calling the way I feel. And that's what it is. I don't care who we're going against. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, you know, the same way with this team. This team was like, all right, there's a bunch of faceless players out there that we're playing against. We're playing our game, and that's it. And, you know, it it and, and it was poetic justice yeah. because it, at the end of the game, you know, the big thing with them, like, if this game is even close, if they're not blowing about by 20 points, 21 points, then Brady's going to come back and win the game. Mm-hmm. And it's just poetic justice. Then it went to the last play of the game, and they outplayed Mr. Brady yep. to win Super Bowl 52, becoming world champs. Poetic justice, man. Poetic BG justice. almost had a sack on that play, too. Yeah. I don't know how Brady was able to elude, elude him. But, yeah, and that that's the thing. And it was funny because in a couple of the radio shows that I did um, where I was guest on or whatever – I told them, I because they asked me for a prediction. I said, I'll be honest with you, I will be jaw to the ground, shocked if the Eagles lose. And they looked at me like, right. like I had three heads. And I said, listen, you don't understand the thing that they have in that locker room. Yeah, you, you don't, don't understand you don't the, exactly. the unity that they have going on, the brotherhood that they have going on, and and, and just the the vibe. Everything is, is right for this team. And even that whole week leading up to it, there was – these guys were as easy as could be. No no issues, right? No being afraid of saying the wrong thing. They were laid back. And it was funny because a part of me was like, wow, they might be a little too laid right, back. Right, right, right. But the thing I love about this team is when it comes time to flip that switch, they flip it. That Meek Mills comes on and, and, and forget Bruh, it. Bro, they take it serious, it. man. Yeah, yeah. Free Meek. They need to, no, they might need to keep them one more year. They can go ahead and win it one more year, but <laughs> – Bro, they took that shit. That look, hold on, wait a minute. You know, it was Yo, over that, after that. That's so, and, and that's the thing. When they came out, and, and it goes back to Nigel Bradham again. I was watching him. I was like, "Ooh, they they getting ready to win. Right. They, they're going to win this game, man." They, it, it, they it's, was ready, bro. It's crazy how how different it was between the two teams. But so we did our defensive MVP, offensive MVP. Oh man, it's it's a tough one for me. Because you know, I want to show love to the O line uh, specifically. Right, right. Sp- well, there's there's three guys I would like to show love to. No question. Well, actually, you know what? The whole O line. 
But I think Wisniewski, once he got in there, uh, after that Kansas City game, you saw a different Eagles team. Solidified it. Brandon Brooks played well from start to finish. He played, in fact, he played like a monster. Yeah, I mean, uh, legit like a monster. Lane Johnson, what can you say? And Jason Kelsey, I love him on those outside zone plays. They get him out in space. You see him blocking one or two guys. Now, Ronald Jones from USC, he would probably score on a couple of those as opposed to a guy getting caught by the backside linebacker. But we'll save that for a draft uh, central type of show. But for me, MVP, it's tough. It's tough. Uh, You know, and I I truly believe. I I can't call it. If he didn't get hurt. I would have to give it to Zach Ertz. If he didn't get hurt for those games that he didn't Listen, play in. It, it's funny because I, I, I said I am thinking Ertz, I'm like, but he got hurt. Yeah, he got yeah. hurt. You know, that that kind of took took it, you know, took me away from me. But of course we'll say Carson if Carson didn't get hurt, but we would have to say Ertz would definitely be somebody. And I mean it's if you look at it, man, and you know, it took them a while to really get Alshon going mm-hmm. because they just didn't know and understand he's never gonna be open. Yep. <laughs> never. Exactly. He's never exactly. going to be open. But he's open, though. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. He's open when he's covered. Right. You know, he's never going to be open. And in fact, I don't think he likes to be open. I think he likes to pressure somebody being on him. That way he can lean, and then he can go up and get the ball. He can push off when he go up and get the ball. Some guys love the contact. Man. Yeah, and I think he's that guy, you know. And they, and they ain't like he's slow. Alshon was kind of quick out there, man, but he just – he just loved the the know where you are. He'll reach out and grab you. He wants to reach and touch you first before he goes and gets mm-hmm. you. That's mm-hmm. the type of player he is. And it took him a while to understand that, all right, he's not open, but he's open. And so they started throwing it to him. And yeah. that's when, you know, his game started to flourish a little bit. You know, it took Carson about four or five games into the season before he started doing that. But Ertz was always open. Ertz, you couldn't, you couldn't put anybody on him. Um, other than that, I mean, it's, it's tough, man, because there wasn't anybody that stood out all the time with the exception of Earth. They took turns being great yeah. in that offense. Everybody took turns being great in that offense. You know, I'm going to go ahead and do it, man. Forget it. Jason Kelsey is, to me, the MVP of the offensive <laughs> MVP. I'm going to go ahead and do it because week in and week out, you saw this dude come. Listen. He kept that pocket clean. No question. You know, you didn't see that pressure coming up the middle like you exactly. saw it the, the year before. And I don't care if he was going against, you know, the bigger uh, D tackles or the, the shorter, quicker one. He kept that pocket clean. And like I said, when it came to running the football, getting him out in space, the screens, Jason Kelsey's my offensive MVP. I would have to go the same way, you know, even though – I think it would be a tosser with me because I thought Brandon Brooks played at a yeah. level. He was just nasty. He was just that dog. He, I'm, bro, I, I saw him knocking people down and looking for names, bro. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. He played with a nasty disposition. So, you know, I, I would probably go with, you know, it's a toss-up. You know what I'm saying? It's, you splitting hairs between him and, and, and Brandon Brooks, though. Yeah. Definitely splitting hairs. You know, because they kept that pocket clean as they can be, man. But there's love for the O-line. And Nick Foles got sacked, I think it was twice in the postseason. That's the least ever. Exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you got to give them credit, man. And that, that offensive line is going to be together again. The defensive line is going to be together again. We know where football is won in the trenches. And this team is in good shape. 
Fundamentals. In the trenches. Yep. Outstanding shape in the trenches. That's what I say. You can win a game. You can win every single game if you're fundamentally sound in the trenches because you can have whoever back there doing whatever when you got guys that can rush the passer and block the pass rusher, period, point blank. It helps. It helps everything. So that's the show, folks. We wanted to get back in the saddle and give you just our look from the Super Bowl all the way back to the beginning of the of the season. We are going to take a brief sabbatical, but we will be back. Make sure you keep tuning in. Download the uh, the podcast, the Next Level Podcast, BGN Radio. Clip it. I tell you, it's not really going to be an opportunity to send too many more clips, but I rest, rest assured, preseason starts. We'll be right back in the saddle with those clips. So make sure you go to clipit.tv. And it doesn't have to be sports. You don't have to send it to me. You could just make your own user content for any show whatsoever. So I am Teron Davenport at T Davenport underscore NFL. At B Brooks 72 NBC. We are out of here for now, and we'll be back at some point soon. We got the combine. We got NFL draft. There's going to be a lot of content for you this offseason, so stay tuned. Peace. Peace. Stretch your hand and I'm going to chop it off. I dare you ask for a favor from your boss's boss. Shrimp, scampi, angel head noodles, white wine sauce. Rwanda and the Ross, reload the Nina Ross. Settle metal when I'm focused on the green Dinero. Hocus Pocus, Gucci Locus, cake with bacon soda. Cake for soldiers moving weight from Maine to Nova Scotia. Bang revolvers, problem solvers, that and pain the mothers. Lost a child, clips from play when they hear the loud. Nightmares, walking dead cause they sleep in You eat the sheep or shit, be scared and cut to pieces. I lust for custom coops with the honey mustard features. Butterfly doors, a whore that makes wine or sober. Her beauty stunning, plus she funny, that's the proper order. Head nods and cat calls, cuz it's pops in order. Yeah, I'm stuntin' all the world is my stage show. Dallas streets cruising around about 4 a.m. Just that fly shit, the type you never seen again. No meat, no leather, I'm just pimpin' a pin. We live that life that you're wishing against. More money, more power, more women and shit. It's me and now, motherfucker, who you think this is? Gia. Dollar Streets cruising around about 4 a.m. Dollar Streets cruising around about 4 a.m. Cruising yeah. in there ain't nothing but all those flashing lights. Bring forth. A one, two, a one, two. Mm, 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 I like to introduce myself. Mm, mm, mm. My name is uh <laughs> <clears throat> You like dope man right now. Yep. I had to have it. <laughs> Sipping on some scissors. Scissor. Here <laughs> <laughs> ah, we Jada go. One, two, now. one, two, and I say Party people, your dreams somehow been fulfilled. So get out your seats and let's get ill. You know where we're about to go. Boom boom. To the up. <laughs> <laughs>